Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Good morning, Mr. Cuny. And good morning to you, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, let's go! Yeah, baby! Whip up some scrambled eggs. It's time for your Poncho Sports Breakfast Show. Mr. Paul Cuthbert right here in New York. And please say hello to your friend and mine, Mr. Robert Cuny from the great state of Maryland. Mr. Cuny, how are you, sir? I'm well. Uh, morning greetings and sunshiny salutations, everybody. Woo-hoo-hoo. That's right. You are not dreaming or having a nightmare for that matter. It is the morning edition, the steaming cup of Joe and Honcho's edition of the Sports Honcho's radio program. And as they say across the sea in the land of green, top of the morning to you, Mr. Cooney. How's it going? That was terrible. <laughs> That was terrible. I apologize to all of our friends who do live, quote, <laughs> across the pond. I'm sorry. See, we don't have TV, but you, if, you, if we had TV, you could see Mr. Cuthbert spitting his coffee out. In my, in my not, edge hat from YouTube. Yeah. Hopefully not all over his extremely uh, pricey equipment there. And my, in the New York studios. My honcho notes. My note shows. The Go Sports Media Complex. Well, Happy New Year, brother. Here we are, 2021. Thank you. It started off wonderfully here in America. Things are going going great here. So um, how are you? And and, and how is the rest of your uh, your holiday and your break there, pal? Uh, My break was good. Um, You know, nothing exciting really happened. You know, it is still COVID season. Give me one exciting thing. Well, I mean, this is to me this is exciting. I oh. did very little work, um, other than you know making sure that I was ready to rock when the Han shows returned in 2021. Spent a lot of time making jokes about the new year. You know, hey, haven't seen you since last year. Has it really been a year? You haven't changed much in a year. Blah blah blah. Which actually brings me to what I wanted to talk about here in the cold open, since we are talking about New Year's. And it is cold outside, ladies and gentlemen. It is. That's why, that's why you're wearing a hat. Yes. Um, are you a resolutions guy? Not this year so far. <laughs> I, I hate, with a capital hate, and I know you shouldn't hate, especially in these troubling times. I hate New Year's resolutions. Not the people that make them, but the resolutions themselves, because to me, not to get all philosophical on your collective tuchim, but you should wake up every day like it's New Year's Day and say, what can I do to be better? If you're a man of larger carriage, say, I'm going to drop some pounds. If you're a smoker, say, I'm going to quit smoking. Larger carriage? Yeah. If you're addicted to the salty snacks like pretzels and Cheetos and Doritos, none of whom were sponsoring this fine program, 
uh, vow to eat less salty snacks. But when you put all of it on one day and say, today is the day when I'm going to change myself completely, it's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself. And that's why most, if you look at gyms, for instance, January packed like Elvis's colon in the gym by... <laughs> He weighed 40 pounds when he died, by the way. You can Google it, friends. Uh, by the end of February, uh, you know, it's it's a ghost town. I don't mean now during COVID season, but during most times, during most years when we're not under the specter of a pandemic, those gyms are empty because the New Year's resolution, the adrenaline of the New Year is worn off. So don't put all that pressure on yourself to make a resolution on January 1st that by January, what, what day is it? The 8th, you're, you're already like double fisting the Cheetos and, you know, still smoking two packs a day. So make your resolutions every day. Be that person. I know that's a very sentimental and philosophical way to start the shows, the breakfast honchos. But, hey, it's the morning version. So, you know, by nighttime, we're so bogged down and beaten down and worn out by the day's events. We don't think too optimistically. But here, bright and early, we're dreading the rest of the day. We are during the rest of the day. Oh, and don't tell anybody, kids, but I'm actually technically shh, still at work. <laughs> I'm still being paid by the Montgomery County Public Schools. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm done with class for the day, but I'm right. technically on someone else's clock. So you're welcome, America. So you're, and, you're, and Canada. You're, you're, you're just doing something special here for the honchos, basically. Yes, I am. You're, you're and, fully committed to the team here. I should be committed, yes. Excellent. Fully we'll committed. We'll see if we can't get you a a company mug. So oh, that'd be great. So I, I could spit my coffee out. Uh, what's your feeling about resolutions? And then, of course, well, I have a list. You, before you ask my feelings, uh, how, are you going to make a resolution for this year? I make the same resolution every year, every day, and that is – to not make any resolutions. Well, we we happen to uh, hang out at the same club, pal, because, uh, look, I I know what I want to do this year uh, physically and uh, mentally and creatively. So, But I am with you on the fact that uh, I get tired of hearing people say, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start working out. Just do me a favor. Just send me pictures of you on the Peloton, you know, stop talking right. about it and just doing it. And and that's and I want those texts. I, I don't want to see them on Facebook. I don't want to see them on Instagram because I what turns my stomach is people posting videos of them working out or, no. or let's let's not say not not so much the sports models or the physique models or whatever out there or the guys that are in shape and are on you know like men's health and all that stuff but the people Boy. that are like in the process of losing weight and putting up pictures of them working out or uh rover sizing and all that stuff whatever the heck it is it's it's embarrassing it's disgusting and i don't want to see it 
I don't want to see it. I didn't ask you to post it, um, and I just I don't think it's necessary. We didn't have to deal with that years ago, Rob. Now no. it's like, you know, if, if you do, and I'm not a, a Facebook guy for personal reasons. I use it to promote all the marketing and stuff that we do and, and my other stuff, obviously, in the music business and everything. You just kind of have to have it because that's where people are, you know. If you're not using email right. lists, and years ago used to, we actually physically used to mail posters to people, you know, for the band shows coming up, but now... You build up Facebook fan page. So I have to log in, and then it's, it is. it is. It's like rolling up on a car crash, you know, some of these things that people post. But anyway, there's a long way to go off on the fact that I am I am not a resolutions kind of guy. I'm with you. I think um, you just, if you want to change your life or if you want to get better, just do it. And you know right. what? If you want to sit on the couch and eat a bag of pretzels with a bucket of dip and some go soda nuts. pop every day and expand yourself, God bless you. Just take some cholesterol medicine and and drink some water and right. So you I will say those all of those ads on TV for exercise equipment or diets where they show the person before and they show them after. If anyone thinks those are not just photoshopped pictures of people, because no. the faces don't, all look don't strange, tell me they're the bodies lying, Rob. look contorted. I'm not. Eh, I don't want to call anybody a liar. It doesn't really look like this person. It's like they not only did they, did they spend some more time on a treadmill or an exercise bike, but they just went out and bought themselves another body and had their heads sewn on somebody else's body. I just I'm not believing it. Um, and it's and they also look just odd. So the moral of the story is don't exercise or you'll look odd. And nobody wants that. Yes. And this will and be hey, the last time we have this discussion yes. on the sports franchise. And hey, I just real quick, I have another list, speaking of resolutions. I couldn't let this segment get away without some kind of a list. And this one's we, from we Wallet We love your list Hub. here at the Honchos. This is from WalletHub.com, and it's a study of the best cities in America for keeping New Year's resolutions. Oh, WalletHub is a financial – obviously, the name WalletHub is a financial services website. It's not a bakery? No, no, it's not Bakery Hub. So this study, and I, I, I'm just going to run through this very quickly. 57... Buddy, can, look, I want to tell you something. Yes. You can take your time today. No, nobody wants to hear me talk no, about the I metrics know, but I, of just, this study. Just for today's show, I want you to know for this breakfast, which will turn into brunch, a little which late lunch, dinner. and maybe early dinner, evening dinner. And then Saturday take, morning yes, breakfast. Take your time. We might try and break a world record today. So go ahead. We're a buffet today. Yes. Just keep coming and eating. Anyway, there's 57 metrics that they used to determine uh, the best cities when it comes to keeping New Year's resolutions. Those categories were health resolutions, financial resolutions, school and work resolutions, bad habit resolutions, and relationship resolutions. And the top city, the number one city, is Scottsdale, Arizona, followed by – Salt Lake City, Utah, Seattle, Washington, number three, Irvine, California, and San Diego, as Will Ferrell said, an anchorman, San so Diego, we have, we have a Western, California. Western vibe going on here. These right. Western left coast states we're talking about here. Right. And, and really, it's for cities like Scottsdale and Salt Lake City, how hard could it be? To keep your resolutions, especially in Salt Lake City when it comes to, say, the drinking resolutions, the health resolutions, the uh, school and work and bad habit. I mean, 
I'm not saying it's a rigged contest. Wallet Hub is not a Salt Lake City or Utah based. And they're not a bakery. Business. They're not a bakery, but I don't. To me, first of all, whoever spent time on this list, God bless them. This is quite the undertaking. It sounds like something you'd be into doing. Oh, like I would if, if I had no other life going on. And and there's <laughs> there's I mean I, I just the they assigned a point value to all these metrics. So, for instance, under financial resolutions, median annual income, full weight, is right around 1.43 points as they add up all these numbers. Uh, share of households emergency savings, debt-to-income ratio. For bad habit resolutions, binge drinking, share of adult smokers, share of marijuana users, share of adults with gambling disorders, share of adults who visited a doctor and or dentist in the past year. For relationship resolutions, nightlife establishments per capita. I'm sure Salt Lake City was way down on that list of nightlife hey, establishments. Those Mormons know how to party, man. But what I understand is I just for want, relationships. I want you to understand something. Uh, about in 95, 96, I was uh, a young kid, 25, 26 years old, and I and I got a, a DJing gig with a buddy of mine who had a, a DJ company out there, and we did a lot of Mormon events. Kids, they know how to rock, and they, they don't drink. They're not allowed to. Right. But I'm telling you. But they, they know, know how, how to rock. Party. They know how to party. Well, just listen to Ain't some no of the party. relationships. Ain't no party. Probably like, like a, a Mormon, Mormon party. party. <laughs> Outstanding. And, and, and that sound you hear is radios all over Salt Lake City and the greater Utah area turning to the left. I know. Nobody has knobs in their car anymore, Mr. Cuny. What a knob you are. Okay. Uh, relationship resolutions. Nightlife establishments per capita, I already said. Then they have restaurants per capita. Then the park playgrounds per capita. Well, I'm not quite sure what relationships they speak of. Average wedding cost. Uh, fun opportunities. How does one define, quote, fun opportunities? Single friendliness, sports fan friendliness, and share of residents who residently talk or spend time with friends and family. So take that for what it's worth. Again, Scott Steeler, if you're looking at the top five, and yes, I well, we can tell you the bottom five, the bottom, the worst city for keeping resolutions in a moment. Again, the top five, that's paper rustling. Scottsdale, Salt Lake City, Seattle, Irvine, California, and San Diego. And what was the worst? Who's on the bottom I'm list? I'm going to tell you that now. And, of course, I don't have that information. Oh, this is just The worst. I know. Sorry, everybody. Disappointing. It is, is very it, disappointing. Is it Maryland? No. <laughs> it is not Maryland. You know, I, you know, out in Arizona, it's, it's, it's hot and dry out there. So, right. you know, there's probably a lot of people out there going, oh, jeez, either I got to get out of here or I got to do something new. <laughs> I got to do something. Or, oh, wait. Get me wait, hold on, everybody. Hold on. Hold on. Wait for it. I know you're dying to know now that I've sold this. So there were 182 cities. Yes. Here are your bottom five. Excellent. Uh, let's see. One, two, three. Uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Oh. Newark, New Jersey. Let's hear it for no, Newark. Well. Shreveport, Louisiana. Huntington, West Virginia. And coming in at number 182, Gulfport, Mississippi. Oh, things are tough down there, man. Yeah. So, it's, by the way, it's tough Detroit to get inspired down there. Detroit came in at uh, right outside 
the bottom five. So yet yet again, another loss for Detroit Motor City. Some cho- I got to send some chocolates over to Newark. From, uh, Good old Newark. South Shore of Long Island over here. We're as, we're as happy as anything, man. We're just waiting for the spring so we can go back to the beach. Yeah. You know? Hey, well done. Well done over there. Well done, Thank Mr. You. Cuny. But I got news for you. We're a sports yes, show. Okay, pal? Yes. Let's talk some sports. Woo! Let's go to college, baby! Been a long time since I've been there. I was there for a couple weeks, as you can tell. I got me a handful oh. of credits. You got a nice cap and gown, a little piece of sheepskin, and you were on your way. Yeah, maybe. Baby. So, as far as hey, football, let's just start are, there, pal. And we got are the there any, going. I'm ready. Are there any any CFP, football games? The playoffs, championship next week. Do Take we still away, have college football? Do we still have college football? Yes, yes, we do. At least, well, as of the taping of this fine program, the college football championship game is still scheduled for the 11th. But now, again, the COVID monster, Ohio State has a, go, Ohio State, an, an let's outbreak. Go. How many How many accommodations have we made for the Ohio State Buckeyes? So the game has not been moved. It's not being postponed. But Ohio State's dealing with their COVID I issue. I heard Ohio State, yeah. they're going to let them use two footballs per play. Right. They're, not, they're not saying who has it, but there's talk that a whole position group might be affected. That's all Michigas. You know what? You got in with six games played. You, you handily beat Clemson. We'll talk about that in a moment. But no more accommodations. We don't care if you got to play with Paul and I. They're letting them use hockey sticks the, if they need them. Right. Whatever. Whatever it takes to playing. beat Bama, baby. We're having a championship game on Monday. And whoever shows up wearing the garnet and gray, as they say, uh, can play all right so i'm not going to spend a second on the alabama notre dame game because really that was a foregone conclusion notre dame did what notre dame does in the playoff games and that is to not show up but i do want to talk about the more intriguing game which was the clemson ohio state game a rematch of last year when ohio state lost 29 23 to clemson i mean look it was uh it was quite Quite the blowout. Spectacle. It was quite it, spectacle. It was. It was. I held quite, up my coffee here and my pinky extended out. I full say, extension. That Clemson Ohio State game, Robert. It was a spectacle. <laughs> Thank you. I having trouble keeping a straight face. It was. It was quite the spectacle. Look, um, this game. Ohio State played a great game. Why I fear, of course, with the Ohio State team is that they may have, if you'll pardon the expression, blown their wad for this game. And now for Monday, they'll still be in the refractory period, if you know what I mean. But people who thought that Ohio State didn't belong with Clemson and no chance against Clemson, Justin Fields looked terrible in the games leading up to this, forgot a few things about Clemson. One, this is revenge for last year's 29-23 loss. Um... It's also Dabo Sweeney, who up until a few days prior was rocketing towards being the dope of the week for admitting that when he voted in the college football poll, the final ranking to see determine who'd be in the final four, that he said, oh, I put them at 11th and thought, nobody's going to blink. No one's going to think twice about how he downgraded and demeaned Ohio State. I think people underestimate sometimes the power of giving another team uh, 
locker room or bulletin board material. So Ohio State was ready. Ohio State was loaded for bear. And I think what this says more so about Ohio State is what this really says about Clemson and the overrated Dabo Swinney that uh, there's a great expression I heard many, many, many years ago about what happens when you start to believe what people say about you, that you are, quote, smelling your own ass, which is a great expression. I've heard people say that about you. Well, that's go. Modern people smell this ass. Um, it's all the Mexican food. So I think Clemson is getting. Not only are they sniffing their collective tochim, but I think they're getting bored with their success. You know, I, I, maybe they don't believe they try as hard because they think we're entitled as Clemson to be in the championship game. And the truth is, I, I, as I said before, I think Swinney is slightly overrated. Clemson itself. Maybe overrated. Their last two college football game playoffs, two CFP games, both losses, they've been outscored 91 to 53. You know, we get used to Clemson rolling through the ACC, whose members are nowhere near the powerhouse that Clemson is. Maybe Florida State, when they're having a good year. But they roll through the ACC, they roll through the regular season, and certainly this year, with when Notre Dame started to, you know, came into the ACC football for just this year only. Uh, in the last five to ten years, with the ACC being not one of the power conferences that it used to be, we get used to Notre to get to Clemson rolling up these great numbers. Notre Dame came in this year, beat them once, although without Trevor Lawrence, and they get to the playoffs and they kind of feel like, well, the semifinal game, we're entitled to win that game and get to the championship because we're Clemson. And I think that's starting to come back to haunt them a little bit. And what will they do next year without that security blanket and Trevor Lawrence? You know, Clemson fans have been spoiled by Deshaun Watson, then Trevor Lawrence. You know, it's like the Packers going from Favre to Rodgers. Decades of quarterback stability, obviously not in college, but years of quarterback stability. Uh, and Swinney's been like, well, I go from Watson to Lawrence, don't miss a beat. What's going to happen over the next few years when they're walking, wandering through the post-Lawrence wilderness? Then we will see if old Dabo Swinney is as good a coach as he says he is. So I'm not surprised by Ohio State beating them, as, especially as badly as they did. They had a lot more to play for, it seemed like. I hate to say they wanted it more, but sometimes the team just wants it more. You know, this, Ohio, I don't, you know it's that old adage or, or... – you know, when you have, and we, we talked about this on the last show, and, and in fact, you were given a homework assignment to improve the CFP. And I was going on about the fact that, you know, you're, you're constantly seeing the same teams, you know, so it gets a little boring. I think a lot of us, I'll speak for me, anybody who was pulling for Ohio State, uh, you know, last week more than anything was just to, yes, beat this, get rid of the same old thing. It's like, a, even if you take, like, you know, you're tired, everybody was happy about seeing the Patriots out of it this year in, in the NFL. It's like you get tired of seeing the same old thing. Now, as far as college football is concerned, I mean, a lot, you know, you can go back in time here, whether it's Nebraska for, for years, you know, which a lot of these um, colleges, whatever division, where they, they'll go on and they'll just continue. They just win um, every year. They're always expected to, to be in the bowl in the championship games. And then you'll get, you know, one or two um, programs to get a little competitive and kind of throw different chinks. Like, you know, LSU kind of came in there last uh, year to mix things up a little bit. 
and now they're, you know, obviously struggling uh, this year too. So, but I wonder, like, you know, Clemson, Notre Dame. I mean, it's not obviously not happening. Bama, um, and maybe years past some of the Florida programs. Where, whether the, how, I guess what I'm trying to get to do the does a college you can't it's it's hard to get tired of winning, or is that the possibility? Because like you know what you're talking about with uh, you know Clemson just you know. Uh, seems like it's a fade out here a little bit and now there's a question about the unknown but you have to figure because of you know programs like you know Bama and Notre Dame and Clemson those are where the top the best kids want to go they want to go play in the in the big uh programs and they know that that's where they're also going to get the most attention as far as you know draft as far as uh media uh, because of the way the CFP's lined up right now and the way the the, the divisions and everything else the championships the same teams are always going to be put up in the biggest spotlight. So the best players coming out for recruitment, that's where they want to go if they can, you know, if they can get there. So um when is that going to change? And that's what I was going to talk about. And that's why Go ahead. I was just saying and that's why when they take these when college coaches with great success at big schools are are brought into the NFL, people seem to forget you don't get to pick your players. Well, I mean, you do get to pick your players in the NFL, but you have a draft of the same players, whereas in college you can recruit. It's all every player is a free agent. So the best players, you either recruit them or they say Alabama, I'm going there, Clemson, I'm going there, Ohio State, Notre Dame, all the big schools. So I just, you know, we're going to I'm going to talk is about there, that uh, in a little bit about Urban Meyer and Ryan Day possibly mm-hmm. going to the pros. And you got to be careful because those guys, the players come to them. Yeah. They have there is no draft. They have a, the pick of the litter every year, and then what all the scraps that are left go to the other programs. So, you know that's why we we're going to keep seeing the same programs. Just the names. It's like Duke in basketball. They just say hey, we're Duke, and players flock to them. Unfortunately, yeah. So I mean, as far as there's you know long term peaks and valleys in terms of a, a you know college uh, success, whether it's you know, and, and we're talking college here, so it 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 changes a lot in in certain. Uh, schools, and then again, it, there's just a higher level of, um, you know, it's also funding, it's money, it's recruit, it's uh, everything else. Just the f- from everything from facilities to scouting, who's working for them, and everything else. But you know, I I wonder, you know, could you see in the modern day now? Could Clemson start going down? Could they fade out here in the next couple of years, or is that just it's just not going to happen? Notre Dame. Even when they struggle, they're still going to be on NBC every week. You know what I'm saying? They're still going to be carried as the best one. Um, right. But I guess in short here, what I'm trying to get at is, and what we talked about with the CFP and, and mixing things up and you know changing the platform a little bit to get more teams involved and make it a little more interesting. Because if you're not a diehard college football fan and you're fed the same teams every year, you know you get kind of bored of it. I'm one of those guys. I always look forward to the championship game. Uh, and another reason I look forward to it too is just the way it's uh, it's filmed. It's the it's one of the best TV broadcasts of yeah. a sporting event you'll ever get. I think it's even better than the Super Bowl. Just angles. And you got you got Herbie and Fowler on the call. Who yeah, are it's, great it's just a fantastic. It's, it's, it is a spectacle. It's a great spectacle. But we're getting to see the same teams every year. I mean, obviously LSU last year was uh, it was nice. So I'm rambling on here, but it was kind of getting back to what we were talking about last week in terms of how the CFP can change things up. Obviously, this is a different year with COVID and everything else, but going forward, it's like anything else. Like in other leagues, you, you just want to see it mixed up. I, I guess it's a little difficult because of college. It's it's not just 
city, city, league, league, everybody's on the same level as far as yeah. money or not so much money, but as far as, you know, how the, you know, the, the, the leagues are set, the NHL teams have their set of rules and, and, you know, most of the GMs are all, they're all billionaire, billionaire franchises, or whatever. And then you go from there. NBA is the same thing, but, um, I don't, I don't know how or if, and the other last thing on this was that if the college football, uh, if the NCAA even wants to even try and change this because they've got this mold, they're going to stay with it for another, are they going to do this for another 10 years? Well, let me just, I'm going to go back to what you said about Clemson and the TV thing, which is very, a very good point. Notre Dame, whether they're up or down, you know, they had some down years between Holtz and Kelly um, in that program, but Notre Dame is on TV and these high school players, what they want college for is to potentially go to the pros. They want that exposure. So great players are always going to go to Notre Dame, even if they go 0 and 10 because they're on TV with Clemson. Same thing. The spotlight is on Clemson, but if they don't keep, they don't start winning more and they're not in any danger of that now, five years, 10 years at some point when the winning stops, at least the winning they've been accustomed to the last few years, uh, and the team doesn't get as much exposure, you know, then you're going to see the recruits start to go other places. Alabama will always be Alabama. Ohio State will always be Ohio State. A team like Clemson, they're not consistently a powerhouse. I mean, you know, they won a championship in the early 80s, and then there was a long stretch where they weren't winning, they couldn't get the best players, they were stuck in the ACC behind your uh, your Florida State, for instance, Um so they've just come, they've in the last decade have come out of that wilderness. They've had tremendous success. I don't think they're, I don't know that they don't try as hard or they don't want to win. I think with that, when they get to the semifinals, they just feel like this game's already won. We should be in the championship every year. This sense of entitlement. Well, that's a key point. You um, just nailed on it right there. That was trying trying to get. If if you get into a situation where you're you're a player, or an athlete, or a coach, or a part of an organization where you're just skipping through games, there's no challenge anymore. You know what I'm saying? I have right. to say that, like I said, it, it's a thin line between do you get bored of winning? You know, but what you also said too, what's different in college is the turnover. So you've got a new set of freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors. You got those guys, those freshmen, they want to win as seniors. So that's probably the difference within college that we might look at it like, oh, it's a brand, it's Clemson, it's Notre Dame. Uh, they always want to win, but they're always turning over the players. Yep. So that's but, the difference between maybe um, you know, winning all the time. Right. And Clemson's in danger, again, not imminent danger, but in danger of finding themselves back where they were in the mid to late 80s through the beginning of the century, which is sort of an also-ran, an afterthought. Um, they don't have the consistent national powerhouse exposure like in Ohio State, like in Notre Dame, like in Alabama. Even schools like USC and UCLA, all those Pac-10 schools, which the Pac-10 seems to be in a funk these days, they still have the name, the name recognition. They still have the national exposure, and, and they've been good more often than they haven't been. So I'm curious to see what happens uh, with Clemson. And as for the college football playoffs, they're not going to get away from a playoff because, as the great Don Olmeyer says, the answer to all your questions is money, and the playoffs bring sponsors and one-day fans and a whole lot of money and TV eyeballs, which is what really counts. But people are going to start – 
as we've discussed today, before, whatever, they're going to start turning away, except for the hardcore college fans and alumni of the universities, if it's the same old thing. So they got to expand. Six would be great. Eight would be better. I know once you start expanding, you say, well, if we have eight, why not 10? And why not 12? And so on down the line, like we saw with the NCAA tournament. It was great when it was 16 teams. They expand to 32. It was great. They expand to 64. Still great. I mean, it just takes a while to get that optimum number. 64, I know it's 68, but I don't count the first four. That 64, it took a while to get there, but now people are like, this is a perfect number for the amount of Division I schools, the amount of conferences and teams and so on. They're going to get there. I mean, it's only been seven seasons of the playoff system as we know it. They expand to six or eight. They try it out. When the money comes in for the expanded playoffs, that's they're going to keep it that way. So it just takes a while. It takes a while to evolve. I just think you have enough teams that show that they belong. Look, look at Cincinnati. You know, would Cincinnati have put up a good fight against Alabama, for instance? No, no, no they wouldn't have. Would anybody put up a good fight against Alabama? It's just, I think well, I would have liked to have seen six teams. Well, I would have liked to have seen Cincinnati and A&M yeah. in there. Absolutely. I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I love that. I love seeing different matchups, different programs. I, I'd be, it'll be really a lot of fun to see what the ratings are after the game because I have to say, you know, even for me, yeah, you always, like I said, you always tune into the championship game, but I, I just think you're going to get a ton more people that are going to just say, hey, let's see what Ohio State can do here. But if Bama starts rolling them first quarter, second quarter, it's over. Done. I mean – you only have to look at the playoffs and say, other than Oklahoma, the whole country west of the Mississippi is like, what about us? Exactly, yeah. Yep. Why do we care? You got to find a way to get – I know, that again, the Pac-10 is in a funk. They're in a down cycle in all, football and basketball. But you got to find a way to get them in because I, I'm no math major. But if you can get the whole country interested as opposed to 40 50 60%, Sounds to me like cha-ching, cha-ching, more money, more eyeballs, more intrigue. We'll see. I mean, there's a, we'll there's a long way to go, too, because obviously just all sports leagues, depending on what happens after this year, just getting back to normal schedules um, and normal everything else as far as operations. So, um, you know, that's there's going to be a reset here mostly. So, you know, any, any idea of, like, changing anything right now is probably going to be put on the shelf as with the priority being – Let's get back to normal. Let's get everything rolling again, and let's get people back in the stands. So um, yep. that'll be a different thing. So America's going to be there one way or the other. Right. They're going to all be there on uh, Monday night to watch Ohio State versus Bama, baby. And um, we'll we'll talk about it, obviously, next week. We'll put a bow tie on. The, but I always say bow tie when I want to say put a bow on it. And you know what? I can't tie a bow tie, I, so I you're can't on your own. stand guys. That wear bow ties. And for well, some I, don't reason, mind the, I don't mind the clip-on bow ties. See, no. people that wear a bow tie, the no. one you have to tie, you know what they're saying? I'm better than you. Yeah, no, anybody wears a bow because tie. Because I can tie sorry. a tie backwards. I've had enough can, bow ties on, guys. I can tie a tie without looking at it. Cartoon so character, people, clown, yes. I'm okay. But like a, a mature adult wearing a bow tie? No. Okay, quick happy. question for you. Speaking sure. of cartoon characters, how do you feel as we dissect cartoon characters for a moment, about a, a grown man, a grown animal, 
like Yogi Bear wearing a hat and a bow tie and no pants. I am so on board with that because it's a cartoon. I would not want to see that in real life. Right. Okay, fact, but the, how the, you know they, how they made a, us... my kid watch the uh my kids watch the uh the live action Yogi Bear and Dan Aykroyd did the voice. Right. It's a little terrifying. Okay. Speaking <laughs> but Yogi Bear is one of my favorite cartoons growing up as a kid. You know? Right. Hey boo boo. Ah. I mean, hey, come on. <laughs> the picnic basket. How many of us, though, when we're home by ourselves, especially watching sports, aren't Donald ducking it around the house, if you know what I mean? <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you're going to have to maybe off air explain what that was all about. <laughs> Donald ducking, of course, is I can explain. All I don't know. It sounds disgusting and I don't no, want to know. It's just Donald Duck wears a shirt and no pants. Oh, OK. <laughs> Yeah. But again, so as, as we run around the house half bird. naked, he's a bird, and birds don't wear pants. And you know, no. you'll you'll see people go around. More weird people will put clothes on their dogs and cats. That's just terrible too. I can deal with it for Halloween. It's a little funny, but I see you walking your dog with a sweater on or something like that. I knock you in the head. I'm gonna tread on some thin ice here. I love my girlfriend, but she puts. She just got a new uh, golden doodle, 13-week-old puppy, cute as can be. <sighs> she has a jacket and a sweater. Oh, come on, Grace. It's, it's killing me. Killing me. Right. But I love so you, Grace. Grace. I'll let it go for Grace, okay? Yeah. And a belated happy birthday. Yeah. All right. I hope you took her somewhere nice, didn't you, Rob? Well, I, I instead of going to someplace. Steak? Actually, we did. Did you bring utensils? Um, <laughs> I did. No, and we couldn't go to our, our favorite steak restaurant. Because of COVID, so I brought the restaurant to my house yesterday. Excellent. We got it. I we picked it up. We actually used big boy plates, sat at the dining room table instead of sitting in, at the coffee table in front of the TV. And we had a very nice steak dinner. There was a little cheesecake for dessert. It was very and you nice. Didn't, and you weren't Donald Ducking it? No. You dressed in no. Nor, nor was I wearing a bow tie, a hat, and no pants. <laughs> yeah. I was fully dressed. Don't worry. All right, last thing here on college football, uh, your thoughts on Devonta Smith uh, getting the Heisman? I think it's great. Um, I think we have been stuck in this sort of uh, quarterback clog in the Heisman pipeline. Um, if you look at what he did, at, especially at 6'1", 175 pounds, 105 receptions, 1,641 receiving yards, and 20 touchdowns in 10 games. That's – I mean – Name me a, an NFL receiver that wouldn't take these numbers for 16 games. And more remarkable, he dropped two passes all year. Two. That's awesome. it. I mean, and, and if you look at his impact on the game, even more so than the guys who, like, you know, you're Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, the other, they were the three runner-ups, <clears throat> three runners-up. Their impact in the game was great. Don't get me wrong, but the quarterbacks this year kind of split the vote because they all sort of, by the time the dust settled in the season, they'd all kind of risen to the same level and they each had down games. Mac Jones didn't, uh, but Trash certainly did. Trevor Lawrence certainly did. But Smith was the most consistent and the most impactful. And if you're going to break the string of quarterbacks winning this award, why not give it to Devontae Smith? I mean, he's the one when you're preparing to play Alabama and there's a lot to prepare for. 
he's the guy that you game plan around. You know, and and, and Alabama, the guy who he replaced, the guy who was supposed to carry the load, Jalen Waddell, who played the first five games before going out with an ankle injury, he might be back on Monday. So now if you're Ohio State, not only do you have to plan for Smith and Najee Harris and Mac Jones and that whole Alabama offense, now you got Jalen Waddell coming back. That, my friend, is the rich getting richer. Because yeah. Jalen Waddell was supposed to be Devontae Smith this year before Smith stepped into that role. So good luck to Ohio State. Yes. We wish you well. Fairly well. Yeah. Hey, look, I, before uh, we leave the football here, i got to definitely ask you about uh, Tommy Herman getting fired in Texas. And, and your favorite, Mr. Harbaugh, <sighs> and contracts and money. I don't and, know what they're doing in Michigan. Continued mediocrity. I don't know. On the college what, level. I don't know what the hell they're doing in Michigan. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me there's nobody else out there that can coach that team? So, yes, Harbaugh is about to sign a four-year contract extension. For what? So he can lose more games to Ohio State? Well, not this year. I know he didn't lose this year because the game was canceled. But he probably would have lost, knowing what we've seen from Ohio State. Look, Tom Herman is fired. Uh, I think – that is a mistake for Texas. He was 4-0 in bowl games. He's gone 32-18 and to Texas, 7-3 and this year. I don't know what the people in Texas want, but here's – and they're hiring Steve Sarkeesian or hired oh, Steve Sarkeesian. Name. Right. Well, he's the – you know, he's coached USC. We all know what happened, how he flamed out there. Offensive coordinator at Alabama. Let me just say this. Refrigerators. Come on. Let me just say this about – if you're the OC at Alabama, if you can't win with professional level talent at just about every position, offensive line, certainly a receiver, running back, quarterback, tight end on that side of the ball, you should never coach even peewee football. But you got to be careful when you hire these offensive or defensive coordinators for these powerhouse teams, because, for instance, he is not the, the Saban tree of coaches. Okay, tends to be. Uh, sorry, there was a, a dinging in my ear. The Saban tree of coaches doesn't tend to have the same success as Nick Saban because, hello, not only are they not Nick Saban, but they don't have the same talent that they have at Alabama. Same thing with the Andy Reid tree of coaches and the pros. More on that another time. So they also, I don't, don't the, they also don't have the COVID punch that they have right. in Alabama so too. I don't. So I don't Saban. know. I don't know what Sarkisian is going to bring to the table. But the, the bigger picture on Herman is this. The problem that Texas has is not the coach. They need to find someone, and it's not going to be Steve Sarkisian, who can get people, the players in Texas, to want to attend the University of Texas. I mean, forever, Texas was the crown jewel of the Texas colleges. Players in Texas went to the University of Texas. If you couldn't, if you weren't good enough, for Texas, then you went to schools like Rice and Texas A&M and TCU and Houston. Now it's been flipped. Now, first of all, the best players in Texas are heading out to your other SEC teams or SEC teams, your Alabamas, et cetera. They're not staying at home. But then the best players that don't go elsewhere deciding to go, hey, TCU, Texas A&M, uh, again, Houston. And then they sort of filter down to Texas. So Tom Herman – under those constraints, has done a very good job at Texas. Texas has replaced Herman with a name candidate. Not, I don't know if he's someone who's going to bring Texans to Texas the way, say, Mac Brown did when he was there. 
and certainly the coaches from years gone by. So that's that's the problem they face. I don't think Sarkeesian, as good as he might be, in all seriousness, he's probably going to face the same dilemma. Until they can get Texas kids to say, UT, hook them horns, that's where I want to go, Texas is not going to be Texas, no matter how well they do record-wise. Again, he was fired with a 7-3 record and 4-0 in bowl games. It's not bad. It's not good enough, apparently. But nothing will be until they figure out how to get more Texas kids at Texas. And them, them Texas kids are going to have a hard time saying Sarkeesian. <laughs> yes. Sarkeesian. Good luck. Good luck to Coach Sark. <laughs> good luck, Texas. You'll be fine, baby. All right, pal. Um, what's the word on the uh, the men's basketball tournament in the uh, National College Association? What's the story? What do you got for uh, me on this? Are they playing hoops? They are playing hoops. Are they playing in your backyard? What's the story? They are. Did you set up the tents? No. And the hoops? No. no. Did you they get are... your Gatorade deal? What's the story? The NCAA has officially announced that they're going to, it's a, even though they've been speculating this and talking about this for a while, they are indeed going to play uh, the entire tournament in Indianapolis, in and around uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, where, you know, the big stadium where the Colts play in the NFL. Um, they are going to have all 67 games. Not all in Lucas Oil Stadium, but all within the facility, with around in and around the Indianapolis area. CBS and TNT will still host it. Selection Sunday will still be the 14th of March. April 3rd and 5th is the Final Four in the championship games. It's just there will be no. They don't. They haven't specified what they're going to do about regions, north, south, east, west, whatever they do. Uh, obviously, it'll be the same sort of tournament. You know, pods of 16 leading into the championship, but they haven't said how they're going to break that up, just that they're going to play all the games in and around the greater Indianapolis area. So we'll see. They really just made it official, what everyone's been talking about for weeks. But the NCAA itself just said, okay, this is what we're doing. So far, no dates have been changed. Still on schedule to be played when it was supposed to be played, you know, planned years ago. Are you excited? I will be. I mean, college college basketball. First of all, I, to be honest, I, I when football season is on, college basketball gets very little of my attention. I mean, I follow the storylines, but it's been so disjointed this year. Teams playing some games, teams some teams playing, some teams not playing, some games postponed, uh, some teams just postponing their whole seasons or canceling their seasons. It, it's kind of a mess. Um, so we'll see. We shall see. I, I mean, again, we'll plenty to talk about post football. Then we can start ramping into the college basketball season. I'm excited. Yeah, I am excited. It'll be fun. Yes. I mean, it's always fun. The tournament, yes. even for people who don't ever watch college basketball except once a year, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And I love just. I'm looking forward to the TV shots of Indiana. Right. The, uh, yeah. The flying. <laughs> All of the uh, aerial views will yes, be the all same. The aerial views, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, it's downtown Indianapolis. Again. There you go, baby. All right, buddy. Let's hit the rinks, the hardwoods, and the diamonds. For a little hockey, hoops, and baseball talk right here on 
the Sports Honchos breakfast special. Woohoo! Turn it up, baby! Come on, clap along there, Rock. Let's go. All right. Lots to talk about, baby. Um, USA! USA! World Juniors. Hockey comes back next week. They're playing hoops. And we got tons of baseball news. Beat the Mets are back in the news, baby! Apparently, uh, delaying our podcast from Wednesday today allowed us to have some uh, hot stove league actually to talk about. Some. Oh, the stove is hot. Don't touch it, man. Especially in Flushing, baby. Oh, they're getting crazy here in the metro area of New York, Queens, baby. So sometimes, sometimes the, direction. the the sports gods sprinkle some magic fairy dust on us and say, here, if thank, because you delayed your, your podcast by two days, let's – and thank you, by the way, everyone, for understanding why we delayed our show. Uh, here's some news that you can dissect on the shows. The uh, still Cleveland Indians, at least for another season, uh, traded Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the New York Mets – or basically a bag of baseballs. Uh, infielders Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, uh, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green, a couple of farmhands uh, from the Mets system. The Indians are out of money. They can't keep one of the best players in baseball. He's going to be a free agent after this season. So they were like, let's get, see what we can get now. And they hope, of course, like every other team that's a pretender, uh, not a contender, they hope that somebody else's farm system jewels will grow into major league success. But when you look at the at the Mets, I mean, they were already on the verge of being the NL East powerhouse. But now you with with Lindor in that lineup, and I was having this conversation with official sports honchos Mets insider Patrick Sakura about the lineup going into 2021. And assuming, as he does and others are, that George Springer is going to join the Mets lineup, you will now have a lineup of Lindor at short, Springer in center, Pete Alonso, the polar bear at first base, Dominic Smith in left, Brendan Nimmo in right, Jeff McNeil at center, J.D. Davis at third, and James McCann at catcher. That is the best, even without Springer. Do a couple little deck shuffles there in the outfield. Without Springer, that's the best lineup in the NL East. The best every day starting eight. You go to their pitchers. Um, it's certainly better than DC rolling out and it getting older. A leaky, oil-leaking Max Scherzer and an oft-injured Steven Strasburg. Um, now, I know the Mets come out with Jacob DeGrom, who I think is the best pitcher in the NL. Certainly in the NL East. Hold on. You're, you're getting serious right now, so... You know, we gotta we gotta get the music going here for this. Keep oh, going. Okay. Let's go. So there there's a little bit of a a little bit of a drop off after Degrom, but that's starting pitching. I don't know when they're getting Syndergaard back. Probably not, not no time too soon. Can hang with the other teams in the NL East. Not as good, obviously, as the one two punch of Soraka and Freed in Atlanta. But if you're a Mets fan, you oh, were already yeah. you were already excited about the team coming into 2021. Now you've got the team to beat. 
Again, the pitching may not be as strong as Atlanta's. It's certainly better than DC's. You got no worse than the second best pitching staff in the NL East. Best everyday in lineup if you're a Met fan. New ownership from top to bottom. All the way down the line, you've got to be excited about what this team... Now, the only thing... the amazing, match. They're going to be amazing. The only fly in the ointment is if Alderson uh, and the rest of the Mets front office can't re-sign Lindor. (gasps) Don't say it, Rob. No, they're not... They're They're on a great run. Don't ruin it. They're not chained to cash conscious and scam victims like the Wilpons. This new owner, Steve Cohen, obviously, you know, is not adverse to spending money, but they have to, that the picture is not complete until they sign Lindor to a a long-term extension, which I have no reason to believe they won't, but that's the only thing that could stand in the way of this team being great. Right now. I just, I just, you know, Cruising down across Island Parkway. I'm on my way. Seven train. Let's go. Get there. Hey man, uh, it would be it would be great for you New Yorkers to see both of your teams taking care of business. By the way, it'd be it, great to see another Subway series. By the way, it was asked on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The Mets fans were all excited. So, a Mets fan on Twitter said. Hey, Yankee fans, are you scared now? You know what I said, Rob? I I can't even imagine. I said, give me 27 (laughs) championships. Oh, excuse me. 27 minutes to think about it. If I'm scared. Okay? We're not scared. Uh, Box Bombers. Bring it, baby. The emotion should be, be, again, if you're a New Yorker. We're gonna. We got the NL and the AL right in the palm of our hands. Say what you will about the Dodgers. Say what you will about the Astros and the Red Sox. New. I think it's. I. I would love to see. You know the another Subway series. You know without the bat throwing and the, rest the, of the country know, the, wouldn't. The steroid cheers. Yeah, you know what? They hate you know us, what? baby. Listen, the rest of the country will say, "Ugh, an all New York Subway series." No, thank you. But they'll be watching. They'll be watching because whether they want to see a New York team win or they're happy because a New York team is going to lose. People are going to watch. People say they don't want it. People say they hate it. They're not from New York. What do we care? They care. So many storylines. So many storylines. Fox Fox Sports Network. I mean, just what you brought up with the whole notion of Yankee fans saying, we own the World Series. We're not scared of anybody. This is our playground. And Met fans saying, you know, 2015 was a long time ago. We've almost turned over our entire roster. And we're here and we're here to stay. 1986 was a long time ago. Yeah, but I'm talking about since they were last in the series. And that was a they don't don't get parades. You don't get parades or trophies for getting in. Okay. But they would like they would like to announce themselves on the world's the world stage in quotes with a team that not only gets the world series but can actually go back in relative short order not a flash in the pan not a one hit wonder you know none of that so i i'm not saying it's going to happen but i for one would love to see it 
I'd love to see old guard, new guard from the same city. Because I would just sit back with a box of popcorn and watch people like you, Yankee fans, duke it out with Met fans. If it happens, I'll send you an Amtrak ticket. You come up here with Grace. I'll set you up in the backyard. I'll build a tent. You have to wear masks, okay? Sure. And I'll, I'll give you a little. Uh, I'll give you a little iPad, and you guys. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Sitting outside. Uh, in in the fall in, well, me in, on Long buds, Island. <laughs> me and my three hundred Yankee buddies here from the area will be in the living room with a big TV there. So no, look, it'll be fun. look. I it's like the Rangers and the Islands here in New York. Uh, you know, Giants Jets. Well, even that's hopeless. But um, yeah, Giants Jets. That's as hopeless. As, but they please. share the same stadium. That's about it. Um, that is it. Look, it just especially the Rangers Islands and the Yankees and the Mets is nothing like it when they're both playing well. Because the the rivalries between the fan bases here, it's just it's phenom, and it just, just makes it makes it better for the fans because both of those teams are when they're at their best or they're you know running just good lineups, good teams and stuff like that. Because you know what happens more to the Mets and more to the Islanders, unfortunately, because of their lack of you know getting into championships or winning championships, especially when it comes to the Yankees and uh, you know the Rangers haven't really won too much, you know, but they've. Same thing. They went in the finals in fourteen, and they got some. You know, they've they've had playoff success, so it's a little different. They got the big money and all that other crap, but it makes the. Um, I want the Mets to be better because it's it's got to make the Yankees play better because it's for bragging rights here, and there's nothing better you know than than having both of those teams. And it's great that Cohen's come in here for the Mets, and you know he's just giving them some because it's New York. I'm a New Yorker, right? I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I'm a diehard Ranger fan. I want the Islanders. And the Mets to do well, even though we joke and we laugh about them here on the other side. But we're New York. We should have we have all the money here. We have this incredibly diverse, huge population, and it's it's when it's when it's on fire like that, there's nothing better. And the, the Mets fan base, I gotta give them credit, man. They are devout. They might, you know, it's just, especially now, uh, the seventh line, if you've never checked them out, those guys are unbelievable what they do. They do, uh, they, they go to other stadiums and they, they'll take sections and stuff. So the commitment's there. So I, I do bust chops on the Mets fans because, like I said, until you actually win something, and it's been since 86, I don't want to hear it. Go win a championship. Well, See, the, I- the, us Yankees, because we've pretty much won in every decade here and we've, we've got, we've, we've won. So we can sit back and chill for a while. And, yes, we'll be able to say 27 championships and so on and so forth. I mean, you can make as much fun as you want of, uh, of the Montreal Canadiens who haven't won since 93, right? But they've got 20-some-odd, cha- uh, you know, Stanley Cups. So they can still put their feet up on the desk. But anyway, let's well, it's go, just, it's, Mets! It's just too bad, by the way, just to go circle back to something real quick. It's just too bad that the Rangers and Islanders will never meet in a cup final. They could. Just the way that. Couldn't they? I think so because they're. Look, I'll follow up on this next week. Something came up, I think, because the way the play they're going to reseed things. Oh, so okay. there is a possibility. Yeah, well, this year only. Uh, this year only, but again, it, you don't have the same anticipation of say a Mets Yankees World Series, or I wouldn't even talk about a Giants Jets Super Bowl. But it'd be no, nice. No, don't. It's the, a waste of time. <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> if there was some way those two teams could meet more than just, you know, an Eastern conference final. So, it's but right. it's going to be, it's a great year to be a New York baseball fan. All right. It definitely That's all is. I have to say. 
to have some fun here in Flushing. I tell you, the, the restaurants in Flushing and the bars and the, the boutiques and the dry cleaning shops, I mean, they're just going to have a bounty year this summer, you know, here in Flushing. Because yep. the, the fans, it's, you know, hopefully by that time, they'll let a few fans back in the building. We'll see what happens. Um, other knock baseball on, news. What's that? What'd you just say? I just said knock on wood that that happens. Yes. For all our so. Honchos Mets fans out there. Yep. Okay. And there are. I, and there I, are. I do. I love. I love. You know, there's obviously all the teams in the league. And when the news happens, we'll bring it in. But right now, the Amazons are making all the news. Yep. And I and love that's our little Meet about. the Mets segment here. I love popping on the keyboard there. Make, yep. Taking us down. I wish, I still wish it was Shea Stadium. I miss the old Shea Stadium, but it's all good. So look, some alone. other. <laughs> You're not alone in missing Shea Stadium. <laughs> um, other baseball news. Um, you want to talk about the Hall of Fame ballot and uh, also uh, guy. You know, we grew up watching is uh, you know yep. famous knuckleball, Mister Phil Necro. We lost him, but uh, I'm gonna pass this back to you, uh, Mister. Yeah, let's let's talk about Phil Necro first. I mean, this obviously happened. Uh, a while ago, I think, wasn't it one of the last days of, it was after our last show on for 2020. So, you know, the news is a little, a little stale, but I want a chance to talk about Phil Nuka, just the, the career. If you look back at, at the career that he had starting out, you know, at age, his first win, his first full season at age 28 and pitching until he was 48. It's just, he had, an amazing career. We're talking He's about like a guy. Daniel Chara of baseball. Yes. I mean, we're talking about a guy who went, you know, 318 and 274. That's 592 decisions. Not games pitched. 592 decisions. Now, I, I tried to research uh, how many, like, who holds the record for the most decisions, you know, combined wins and losses. I, I, I have to call Bill James if he's still with us to find that out. But he's got to be way up there. Um, but what astounds me is well, a couple of things. Nineteen, the year that he went uh, twenty-one and twenty in nineteen seventy-nine, at age forty. Are we ever going to see a guy? First of all, forget the fact that he's forty years old at this point. I realize knuckleballers have a longer shelf life. But are we ever going to see a guy lead the league in wins and losses to win twenty games and lose twenty games? I mean, that year at forty, he pitched. 23 complete games in three years is a 38, 39 modern baseball, right? In his 38, 39 and 40 year seasons, he pitched 20 complete games, 22 complete games and 23 complete games. Now on that note, then, there. 23. Okay. So he's now Nico obviously is a totally, he's a knuckleballer. Right. So as far as arm strength and the type of pitches he's throwing that <clears throat> Almost choked on my suite here. <laughs> well, you're um, so choked up about Negro. So you know, uh, obviously today a lot of the most of the pitching is just overdrive. You know, there's not a lot of creativeness. It's just get the ball over the plate and and blow batters away. Whereas a guy like Negro back then, he wasn't necessarily putting so much stress on his on his throwing arm because of the way he pitched. Right. I mean, giving him that ballers, I'm taking and just saying, bringing that up in terms of his longevity, in yeah. terms of his career, uh, the close the games because he he could pitch more because of his style. Right. I mean, knuckleballers like Tim Wakefield uh, play pitch forever. I mean, we haven't seen. And this is this brings me to my bigger point about Necro. 
Um, I think the last one, I mean, Dickey for the Mets, again, to go back to the Mets, had a great year as a knuckleballer. Not nearly the career longevity that Wakefield or Negro had. But my question is, a knuckleballer in today's game of baseball, which is stats and analytics driven um, with launch angle and velocity and, and hitters only wanting to either hit a home run or strike out, how, how would a guy like Negro? If you drop Necro into 2021 at, you know, again, at age 28 in his first full season, how would a guy like that do? Would he dominate pitchers because nobody's looking for a pitch that slow but that precise? Or is there no place for him because managers want guys who can throw 100 miles an hour and strike out batters? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say that a guy who won 300 games and give you 23 complete games certainly saves your bullpen. Oh, yeah. A guy like that, a guy like that on a playoff team where you can say, here's the ball. My bullpen's getting two nights off. Have at it. But baseball is a changed game now. Phil Necro pitched at a time when it was, you know, small ball fundamentals, moving runners along, putting balls into play. Would a guy like Greg Maddox, who wasn't a knuckleball pitcher, but he was the king of control, would he have success in today's game? Or would guys like Maddox and Necro change it back? slowly from a game, you know, the three true outcome type game to more of what we saw when we were growing up. You'd even have to wonder if a kid who's either playing high school ball, getting at the college ball, if if that's a style that he wants to go. Like he turns around and say, hey, you know, hey, dad, or hey, coach, I want to be right. like Phil Necro or Wakefield. Would they turn around and say, no, no, you can't do that today. There's no way. Right. It's almost like and it's, it's, it's going to be a uh, – we might not, might not ever see – the knuckleball no. pitcher in the future, ever. You know? And that's a, that's a shame because, I mean, is it fun to watch? I don't know. If you're a baseball kukula, maybe you enjoy watching that. But it's just anytime you can see a pitcher dominate. And like, the joy of watching Greg Maddox was he would throw an 80-mile-per-hour fastball and still strike out you know 4,000 batters because it just – he puts it – in the place where he knows you're not going to make contact. So it's fun to watch someone who's not overpowering mow down hitters like he was Randy Johnson. So same with a knuckleballer. You just watch a guy like Wakefield or a Negro or a Dickey in the last few years pitch. And you're like, where's this ball going? This ball looks like he threw an underhand. And yet either it's a, it's a weak ground ball or someone's going to strike it. Like, how did that happen? It's just – I. I It'd be entertaining for someone who's a fan of baseball. But, again, baseball is moving in this direction where they want everyone to be a flamethrower. Maybe, because... maybe me and you could get some tryouts if we worked on a knuckleball. So I don't know that even coaches know how to throw knuckleballs anymore. Like if a player said, hey, I want to be a knuckleball, they go, oh, I don't know how to throw a knuckleball. Who throws the knuckleball anymore? Exactly. It's too bad because, again – Obviously, it's an effective way to pitch. Well, Rob, I've said this in other shows, too. How lucky we were to have been, had the chance to watch Phil Necro pitch when we were kids yeah. and, in the old days. And we wish uh, his family all the best. But, uh, again, just a historical guy in MLB yep. as far as, you know, older guys like us growing up and, and just a huge part of the game. And, you know, you have to – if you haven't – if you're a younger fan of baseball and you're like, who's Phil Necro? 
just go to YouTube and watch some right. of the pitching performances and just watch the batters. And it's it was an art form. It was incredible. And, yes, it just, you know, I, I will say this. Like I said, even Wakefield, like when he saw it, he's like, oh, I can't believe you got to watch this, you know. But uh, but that's the genius of it. That's yep. the frustration. When you, when you have somebody that comes in that just shakes the whole thing up or does something that's out of the norm or does something different, um, sometimes it can be uh, beautiful to watch. I mean, I just remember, I remember a time when every staff seemed to have at least one knuckleballer, either in the bullpen or in the starting rotation. A guy like Wakefield, remember, he came up in the early 90s. Those great pirate Atlanta Brave battles for who was going to go to the World Series uh, in the NL playoffs. I remember Tim Wakefield being there, at least, you know, toward the end of that early 90s run. And he pitched well into the 2000s. So... Uh, you know, it's great to have a guy like that on your staff who can pitch a long time. Doesn't have to worry about Tommy John surgery, by the way. At least not to the extent that the the fireballers have to worry about it. And, you know, saves your bullpen. A guy that eats innings is invaluable. That's why Levon Hernandez, for instance, who pitched for the Nats and about 100 other teams, was so sought after because he's a guy who would give you seven innings every time. It may not be seven good innings. But he's gonna. But he'll give you a lot of innings. So you know, it's my hats off to Phil Necro. I, I wish knuckleball pitching was still something that was coveted. And and as I said, I, if they're not going to pitch, not going to teach it in high school, college, minor leagues, we may never see it come back. Get rid of the bow ties. Bring back the knuckleballers. Right. Okay. Exactly. That's that's the message of today's show, kids. Ixnay on the bow ties. Yes, sir. May I have another on the knuckleballers. Yes. Um, Hall of Fame. You have it should in the notes about, here. Should we talk about David Scretta? Let's give him David 30 seconds. S- 35 seconds? Yes. 35 seconds. He's an AP Kansas City-based writer for the Associated Press. He covers the Chiefs and the Royals in Kansas City. This dope, again, Almost the dope of the week, but eh, well, it didn't quite rise to that level. I hope I hope the dope of the week is who I think it is, but I'm going to win a surprise. David Scretta, first-time Hall of Fame voter, submitted a blank ballot. And he said, those that I believe performed at a Hall of Fame level on the field did not reach that threshold in such areas as character and integrity. Now, I'm looking at the ballot here. If he said, I didn't vote for, you know, your Bonds, your uh, Todd Helton, your Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, the guys that are on here, okay, fine. You want to make a case against steroids, knock yourself out. But Tim Hudson, Andrew Jones, uh, Scott Rowland, what did Scott Rowland ever do to you? What did, what did Billy Wagner ever do to you? Dan Heron. I'm sorry, not Dan Heron. I don't know why he's on there. Omar Vizquel. I'm not saying no, these guys are Hall of Fame. Why is Dan Heron on the list? What, what? <laughs> I don't know. I guess because he's eligible. I'm not saying these guys are, are Hall of Fame worthy. I'm just saying it, it, just throw them a bone. You got to just give them a vote and say, look, I know you're not Hall of Fame worthy. I'm not going to leave it blank. When you say I'm leaving it blank, you're saying that everybody on here uh, did not reach the threshold of character integrity. I shan't give you a vote. So I would say, hey. Hey, Scretta, I'm taking your ballot away. Okay, right. go go pound sand with that stuff. See, I'm I'm, not... I'm, cro- I'm crossing off my show notes right now. Blacking <laughs> them out, okay? Can't see his Thank name you. anymore. That's what we feel Thank you. about Mr. Scretta. 
All right, some good baseball news. will uh, also, more baseball news, I should say. But uh, some really cool news about Bianca Smith and the Bo Sox, baby. Ladies in sports. Yes. First, uh, she's going to be, and I, I don't have my notes in front of me oh, on that one. Minor league but coach. She's, Come on, buddy. Get yes. your act together. I believe I sent you an email about that very thing. Um, What's that? Hold on. A, I'm getting something from the producer. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a meeting afterwards. Go ahead. Okay. Anyway. You guys can Google what Bianca Smith is doing for the Red Sox as a minor league coach. I'm not sure what her position is. doesn't matter. It's hey, still coach. a great thing Great thing for baseball. Not quite up at the Bo Sox level yet, but you got to start somewhere. And I'm going to tell you what I always say. I said this about Michelle or Kim Ng. I said this about um, the Vanderbilt kicker whose name escapes me because I'm the worst. Uh, that was only a couple weeks ago. If you're the most qualified, that's what I care about. Hey, if the Red Sox did this because they felt the pressure to have a woman as a coach, then boo. But if they did this, and she certainly, I looked at the, in the article I read, I looked at the qualifications. This is not her first foray into baseball coaching. She's certainly qualified. She's got the resume, just like the, the new Marlins general manager, Kim Ng, had the resume. That's what's so great about this. You got the resume, you get the job. Man, woman, whatever. Okay? So that what I think people need to remember. That's what we're applauding here. Not Mr. that she's Cuny. the first, that she's qualified and they didn't care about her gender. Mr. Cuny, mm. in you and our lifetime, which is going to be a long, long time, ladies and gentlemen. Speak for yourself. By the way. I'm not buying any green bananas if Could, you know what I mean. Can you see a female <laughs> baseball manager on the field, on the bench? Is it going to happen? It's an excellent question. I, I would think of all the major sports, baseball may not be first, but it won't be last. I think we'll see a female basketball coach and a female baseball coach. I give them roughly the same odds. Football we'll never see in our lifetime. Hockey, probably not either. But I think, you know, this is a start. And again, if, if Bianca Smith works her way through the ranks, does great things with the Bo Sox minor league team, then maybe, maybe not the Red Sox, maybe another team, you know, if they decide they're going to hire more female coaches. But I'll, if we're still doing this show, when that happens, I will say the same thing. Is she the most qualified? It'll just be Great. a grumpy old voice. <laughs> it sure will be. It'll be live from Ingleside. Um, <laughs> the Ingleside honchos. As long as time for your pills. As long as she's oh, that happens now. As long as she's the most qualified, again, that's what's important. It's important, yes, that she's a woman. But it's more important that she is qualified. And the Red Sox said, all right, hey, put all the resumes in a bag, pulled one out, Bianca Smith, boom, done, you're hired. Basis. Well, we wish her the very best and commend the Boston Red Sox organization for giving her this opportunity. It's great stuff. Uh, quick NBA before we talk about the stuff on the ice here real quick. Uh, I don't know if you have any major stories, but, man, uh, the 76ers, the Magic, the Pacers, uh, the Celtics, the Suns, the Clippers, and the Lakers are all running away with the league with six wins and seven wins each. It's just an incredible season so far. It's a 72-game season. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I know people are as much hand-wringing and teeth-gnashing here in D.C. about our hometown Wizards uh, and their inability to find more than a win or two, despite Bradley Beal scoring 60 points, they still find a way to lose 
to the Sixers. Now we have Russell Westbrook, who doesn't play back-to-back nights and possibly has a nagging injury. But again, the NBA, it's a long season. It's just like baseball. A lot of people in the first week at all worked up about how well their teams do, and then everything sort of settles. So about midway through the season, after the you know NBA is playing their two seasons, two half seasons, we'll see after season one or season half, season A, whatever they're calling it, we'll see how things stand. Yes, we will. Some of those teams you mentioned will not be in quite the same position they're in as you read them today. Ooh, but I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> All right, buddy. Look, there's a lot of a lot of puck talk, baby, and we got to start in your your home city there. You know your your team, man. It's been an interesting off season for the Washington Capitals. I got to tell you. Uh, yeah, we, we all want to wish your former netminder Hank Lundquist storied career storied career of a couple of practices. I know. We're gonna we're gonna hang but his jersey Hank's from the rafters. Have uh, open heart surgery, and seriously, we do. We wish him all the best uh, to him and his family, and then uh, to to. To kind of take the Caps fans away from that shock of losing the King, not losing him for sake, but losing him as a position player on the upcoming uh, team and season, the Washington Capitals have gone out and signed a young, a very young, sprightly, but tall defenseman at the young age of 73, Mr. Zidaneo. Got to get the D in there, folks. Zidane Chara and Mr. Cooney, you must be excited about the defensive pairings here in Washington. Yeah, we uh, look. We just traded one fossil for another, basically. Hey, uh, he's you know, uh, Lundqvist isn't going to work out. I, I shouldn't say he's going to work out. Lundqvist has to retire because of health reasons. Okay, let's bring in another uh, former. Eastern Conference rival in uh, Boston's Chara. Let's give him his his familiar number 33 and wheel him out on the ice, starting out as our fourth-line defenseman and seeing what he can do. Look, it's a you – know, you, can't, you can't say no to a Hall of Famer, captain of the Bruins, who will provide some stability to our team, which is very young – Especially in the in in the defense, the realm of the defenseman. But, I mean, what's he is he going to bring to this team? Who knows? Twenty seven second shifts. It's going to be excellent. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. That's not the reason. If we, whatever success we have, it's certainly not going to be on the shoulders of our one thousand year old frozen caveman defenseman. Uh, in Zidane Ochoa. No, your, your squad is is definitely getting painted in the corner of like this is it. This is the this is the last run. You know, Ovi's at the end of no. his contract or whatever. Uh, you know, all these last guy. I mean, Laviolette coming in. It's just it's it's Stanley Cup or bust for the Washington sure Capitals is. this year, buddy. When you sign a guy that's Chara's age, uh, you're not saying we're building for the future. Well, they're trying to bring in some of the older fans in the area. You know, the senior citizen homes, they're marketing to um, nursing homes and everything else, hockey fans in the older retirement, um, you know, establishments to, uh, you know, just kind of mix up the the viewership, which they need uh, for TV since they can't have fans in the arenas. Uh, It's a a great PR move by the Washington Capitals to bring in uh, a senior citizen (laughs) to bring in the senior citizen fan base. Mm -hmm. 
Nothing like signing a guy who's 43 years old. old. But, I, you know, they signed him to a— Yaga's uh, still playing too, buddy. You might need some help up in the— uh, He'll be next. As I, as I mentioned to you, is, is, is Gordy Howe still alive? Maybe we can sign him to shore up, you know— He's not, Rob. Don't make, fun of, don't make fun of him. I'm just saying he's another, another oldster. He's not. Guy Lafleur, Marcel Dion, hey. still around. Hang on. Roger Great. Bear. Roger Bear, he's still around. He's hanging around the Outst- garden somewhere. Outstanding. Yeah. Just all right. You know what? Bring us your bring us all the retired Hall of Famers here into DC. We'll take them. Put I them around. Wait, I can't wait for the trading the trading deadline for the Caps. Oh, you know. Boy, boy <laughs> I'm surprised. Instead of Capital One as our helmet entitlement partner, it's not you know Metamucil. <laughs> We'll see what happens, buddy. All right, so look, two other big, uh, two other news items uh, before we go off the rinks here and and, and head to the gridiron here. Um, There was a bit of um, hoopla about the NHL uh, selling the naming rights to the division names. So my take in, I think we talked about this too. I I don't care. It's 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 not a big deal. Put the advertisements on the helmets. Put them. Put advertisement sponsorships everywhere they can, except between the blue line and the net. Okay, that's it. I just want that's where all the action is. I just want to be able to see the puck. Keep that clean, as far as I'm concerned. Advertise wherever they have to do it. They don't have any gate money, so it's simple. And everybody better stop crying about it. What did I tell you? I said whatever the NHL has to do to keep the lights on. By the way, folks, Rob is pointing his pen at. Yes, I'm pointing my pen at you. He's angry. This is the whatever the I'm 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 pointing at our listening audience. Whatever the NHL has to do to keep the lights on, I'm okay with. And, yes. and you know, it's Scotia, Honda, Discover, Mass Mutual. First of all, the kind of exposure you're going to get by naming the divisions, who cares? Big deal. But when I, when I read this, my thought was as follows. If I had just money pouring out of my ears, piles of money, I would have gone to the NHL and said, just for this year, if, you're gonna, if we're going to buy names or sponsor names – sponsor the division names, I would have said, here's a giant pile of money. Let's go back to Adams, Patrick, Norris, and Smythe. Just for this season. For us, for us old-time hockey fans, uh, I know there are no conferences this year, so we can't go back to, you know, Campbell and Wales, uh, but that's what I would have done. But, you know, again, it's a nothing burger. You want to, I don't care. Like you said, the game looks the same on the ice, except for the helmets, the jerseys, the ice itself, which is fine. I don't care. Keep the lights on. I want you to keep playing hockey. And if this is how you do it, if just for a year, fine. Again, I just in my own little fantasy world, I would have gone back to the good old days. Yes, but and I would if we're, if they're selling naming rights, I would have said I'll buy them, and here's what I'm going to name them. I hear you. So, but we're in agreement. They got to do what they got to do. They got to yeah, pay the athletes. keep the lights on. Got to keep staff. the lights on. They got to pay the yeah. trainers. They got to make some money. So, advertise away. That's what we're trying to do here at the Honchos. We want sponsors. I mean, mm-hmm. I would. Wear a mass mutual, uh, you know, hat right now. I mean, I, I would do that stuff. I wear, you know, sure. I'm actually, I'm actually wearing a Honda hat, a mass mutual sweater, <laughs> and a, a discover, bank, a, a discover gloves. <laughs> yeah. So I'm ready. I'm, I'm. They actually, I didn't, I forgot to tell you, they actually paid me as well to sponsor them. Awesome. Well, the league starts next Wednesday night when we're on air. So. uh We'll, we'll talk a little in-game uh, hockey stuff as they kick off the season uh, next week. Uh, and a big congrats, obviously, to the United States World Junior Team for bringing on the gold against our arch 
northern rivals in Canada. And uh, super, the kids did great. Uh, I can't say enough about the USA hockey program, what they've done the last 10, 11 years. Uh, they've got the most gold medals, uh, the talent that they're producing, uh, a lot more American kids in the draft and then becoming big stars in the NHL. Uh, prior to the last 10, 11 years, yes, Canada just, you know, they were the Yankees of, you know, junior hockey. They've got all the gold and everything. But uh, the playing field is a little more level now. And um, I just can't rave enough about the United States hockey program. It's phenomenal. Uh, the U.S. colleges now are just doing great. So the talent is coming. Hockey is just uh, you're just rolling. So bravo, gold medal, and we are and the champions. No time. Let's not forget they beat a team that was rolling into the into the championship game, having outscored their opponents forty-one to four. And so it's not like it was they just happened to luck their way into it. It's it's great. Uh, you know, everything you just said about USA hockey from the junior level to the, the Olympic level, um, it just makes the hockey season itself, the NHL season, uh, that much more exciting, that much more intriguing. And it's always nice to beat Canada in hockey. Yes. Always nice. America. That's right. America, America first, baby. One thing I'd like are, the, one thing I'd love down in the future, and I don't care if it's in Buffalo, but they gotta bring the tournament back to the States. Gotta get them. I, you know, we we go we keep going into their their countries, the other countries, foreign lands. It's in the uh, USA team song that they sing. Um, how about a tournament here in the States? Play on odd ground. Let's see what happens. How about right? how about the winner of the previous year's tournament is the host country for the next tournament? Well, Let's hope Bolivia never wins. Okay, yeah, that great that the powerful Bolivian national junior team. It's, they're a scrappy bunch of youngsters. Down there All right, buddy. Well, speaking of sharp things, yeah, we got a new sponsor here on Honchos, and Rob's going to tell you all about it. This is you very guys out there. You guys very, out there, pay attention. Very exciting. Support for the sports Honchos is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So I will tell you that I have never actually done any precision or otherwise <laughs> any other kind of trimming south of the equator. Oh, but buddy. I understand that that is an area of our body's geography that is fraught with danger and done incorrectly can result in physical and emotional harm. That's why our good friends at Manscaped have redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, including the new and improved lawnmower 3.0. That's a great name, by the way, the lawnmower. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Let me just say parenthetically, if you're spending 90 minutes down there shaving, you got bigger problems. Uh, hey, what, the hey, water- True. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one Same of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and See? more precise ah, they trimming. Do have an they've also upgraded stock. to a... Yes. 
They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Nice name, by the way. And let's not forget about the charging stand. No, how could we forget? Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB technology. If you are listening to me speak right now, and we know you are, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Let's get that bush to tush clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HONCHOS, H-O-N-C-H-O-S, my friends, at manscaped.com. And ready? Sit back, wait for it, strap yourselves in. Make your testies their besties. Now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HONCHOS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. With free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code HONCHOS, again, H-O-N-C-H-O-S. Your balls will thank you. Well, I thank you. It was the highlight of my day, kids. That's awesome, man. And again, what what is the uh, what's the code word the sports honchos radio fan base listenership should use at manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free shipping and free shipping honchos h o n c h o s. Don't forget the s. It's not just a singular honcho. Clean your act up down there, folks. Yep. Get trimmed, please. For please, sake. for the love of God. Yes. All right. Bush to tush clean, everybody. Oh, you know what that means there, Mr. Cooney? Time to go to the gridiron and talk about the National Mediocrity League, which kicks off its playoff weekend, this weekend, of all weekends. And that's this weekend. It is this weekend. And we have not one. Not one, not two, but three glorious playoff games Saturday and Sunday. Woo-hoo! That's right. Because of the new playoff format, seven teams from each conference instead of six, uh, we now have a triple header weekend. Triple header Saturday, triple header Sunday. Load up and on the nachos. This is, this is, I my advice to all of you football fans out there, Saturday morning, Give the significant other a kiss. You have any children? Give them a kiss on the head, pat in the the tush, and say, I'll see you guys Sunday night. Because I'm going down to the basement, locking myself in, strapping myself in, Donald ducking. This is the perfect time to Donald duck around the house and watch six glorious football games. And for you non-football fans, hey, sorry. What can Find I tell you? Else. Uh, do some yard work or something. Take down the Christmas decorations. Yes. Now would be a good time. If you don't like football, and, you know, it's going to be in the 40s, at least around where I live, uh, yeah, now might be a good time to take down those Christmas decorations because what else are you going to do for, you know, 12 hours while the rest of us are – or 18 hours while the rest of us are watching football? So there's a lot to get into, um, obviously, with six playoff games. Um, I will let me just I'll go through some of them in more depth. But let me just start in order. The first game on Saturday, Buffalo going to Indianapolis. I'm sorry, Indianapolis going to Buffalo. Thank you. Where they're going to have yeah. sorry, Thank where they're going to have 6,700 fans in the stands, which is good. Playoff don't games go, need Cuomo. fans. Yeah. Um, Buffalo and Baltimore. When I get to them, I'm going to talk about them again. They're they're playing two opponents. 
Buffalo and Baltimore playing two opponents, their playoff opponent Saturday and Sunday and the ghosts of their past. And we'll talk about, talk more about that in a minute. Um, I don't see, I'm not going to make predictions on these games. I would just oh, say, come on. what fun is that? No. Well, I'm still not going to do that stupid point spread thing. I think Buffalo is going to win. Uh, I think the Indianapolis defense has enough to make it a decent game. But have you seen Buffalo in these last few games? Uh, they're a Hail Mary away from not having lost a game since game number six when they played the Chiefs. They are one of the hottest teams, possibly the hottest team in the AFC, not named Kansas City. Uh, but Indianapolis has the defense to at least keep it a respectable game. So I'll go with uh, Buffalo in that game. Then the four o'clock game on Saturday, Seattle and Los Angeles, your Los Angeles Rams. Now, look, I don't know which Rams team is going to show up. They still have that number one ranked defense, which Los Angeles, that's the team. Yes. When you have the number one ranked defense, you will always do well in the playoffs. I don't know if it's Wolford, Wake Forest's own John Wolford, or if it's going to be Jared Goff. I think no matter who you have at quarterback, that's not how you're going to win this game. Okay. Uh, just as long as your quarterback don't make mistakes is what Sean McVay should say to whomever is starting. And then you got Seattle. Their defense has fallen on some hard times, but it's Russell Wilson in the playoffs. It's hard to hard to go against Russell Wilson in the playoffs. Um, so I'm going to give the nod here to Seattle. Uh, and if look, <laughs> yes, sorry to all of you Ram fans. I just don't Not see me. it. I'm your friend. I, I don't see it. I don't care which which Ram quarterback shows up. I just don't see him getting past oh, uh, Seattle. And then the Rams win. I can't wait till next one. That that brings us to the eight o'clock game Saturday night. My beloved Wolfskins versus the Tom Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, Ooh, you better win this game, buddy. Or I am say what you want yeah, about who who belongs where and in what game and what our record is and what division we came out of at this point, I'm just happy for Ron Rivera, for Alex Smith and for all of us Wolfskin fans that they're in the playoffs. I don't think we have, we have a shot as Jim Carrey said in dumber, dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes. If you consider one in a million, a chance, we have a small problem on offense and that is we can't actually score any points. We have a quarterback who is about as mobile as the Statue of Liberty, and he's playing on one leg. And it's as much as great a story as it's been for Alex Smith, I just I, our offense has trouble moving the ball. Now, our defense, as good and as young and as dynamic as it is, will again, if we can put pressure on Brady, and we know from playoff pasts that Brady does not do well when he's pressured. Uh, the problem is the teams that have been best against him in the playoffs – they being pressure up the middle. Our strength is pressure from the edge, but it's still pressure. If Brady and, and the Bucks get out to any kind of a lead, if we can't stop him early, yes, I'm saying we, then it's over for the Wolfskins because coming from behind is not their strong suit. Get If, if the Wolfskins get the ball first, march down the field like they did against Philadelphia and actually score first and then clamp down on Tampa, force Brady into some bad decisions – they have an outside chance. But really, I'm looking at losing by two or three touchdowns. And that's okay. 
I mean, the the, the Tampa offense you is quite spectacular. And let's not forget, let's not forget, terrible. they have a they have a pretty good defense. Of your hometown, I, I do team. support my team, but I'm just You're being horrible. realistic. This is the team they have. If they you don't can't get win it on defense, in the playoffs in the NFL, you get right. excited, you get pumped, you hope for things to change, you hope for just right. magical moments. That's what this, this is all about. It's sixty minutes. It's do or die. You get behind your team. I'll, I'll give you some. I'll give you some optimism. If the Wolfskins come out and score first and get one defensive touchdown, they have a chance to win this game. Also, by the so way, depressing. I don't put any faith in our kick. You know, we're trying to tap into the. The, the D.C. Maryland sports market, and you are just this you cauldron of depression. A, you, you asked me to make a prediction. And look, the, the Redskins well, fans short and simple. Should, and Redskins the producers just tapped into my thrilled. head. They just told me in the edited version of the show, every time you say Wolfskins, we are going to bleep in Washington Football Club. <laughs> they, they should be Wolfskin fans. There you go. Oh. Should be thrilled. That they're in the playoffs. I'm thrilled as a Wolfskin fan that we're in the playoffs. I'm I'm just I'm and we're hosting a game with no oh. fans, but we're hosting a game. So that makes me happy. But I'm just being realistic. All right, let's let's go to Sunday's games. The first game is Tennessee Baltimore. That to me is the most intriguing game of the weekend. Is your son at least excited for his Ravens? Of course he is. is he behind him? What is his prediction? Is. You know, get your son over here and give me some positivity. You know what? I I I'm gonna tell him, uh, Jacob, please leave the room for a moment when I talk about this game. Um, I'm predicting, I predict a Tennessee victory, but, but I believe this is going to be the game of the weekend because you've got the Tennessee offense, which, you know, if, if you look at the, you got a, a running back who ran for over 2000 yards and just as sort of an, a, a companion piece, a quarterback that threw for 3,800 yards and 33 touchdowns, they have AJ Brown at receiver. He's a stud. John U. Smith at tight end, one of the best. So they got weapons at every position. We'll talk about their stinky offense or defense in a moment. But that offense can score and can score at will. And they can either wear you down with a running back like Derrick Henry or they can score points in a hurry with the Tannehill to Brown or John U. Smith combination. The Baltimore defense is stifling like it always is. However, if they allow Tennessee to get out to a one, a touchdown, 10-point, 14-point lead where Baltimore struggles – because they run the ball better than anyone where they struggle is playing from behind. And you've got Lamar Jackson, who as a come from behind quarterback, he can be good. He can be good. If he can get to, to Mark Andrews, who seems to is the, his Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews gets open. You throw him the ball. He's going to just magically appear. But his other receivers, extremely, extremely average. And if he has to re- rely on sideline throws, fade throws in the end zone, He's in deep guac. And we don't know. We've seen Lamar Jackson in playoff games. We've seen Lamar Jackson in regular season games trying to come from behind. That is not a recipe. run off to the bathroom during games as well. Exactly. Now, maybe if he has to drop a deuce, the Ravens have a better chance. But this is By the way, uh, you've, you've, you know, fans of this show know Rob drops a lot of doozies because he's a smart intellectual man. But uh, (laughs) dropping some friends off. In the forest, Dropping some friends off at the lake. The lake. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I said the forest. That's terrible. Uh, yeah. That's the probably one of the best ones I've ever heard. If you well, thank you. Rewind to that episode. I think it was on the, on the ground. I needed oxygen. No problem. But go on with uh, your Ravens uh, rant here. Yeah. So uh, coming from behind again is not the strong suit. You can find a lake in the forest though, right? Of the Ravens. So, yes, the, the Tennessee defense is awful. 
just terrible. But knowing that with that, the, the thing that compensates for really bad defense is a guy like Derrick Henry who can slow the game down, eat up clock. He may not get 200 yards, but if he can get 100 yards on 26, 27 carries and just bludgeon the defense and keep the ball longer than the Ravens, that's the recipe for success there. Okay, And, and again, I, because he's my son, I hope the Ravens win because uh, I always want him to be happy. But whoever wins, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I just think Tennessee is going to come out on top. Let me just, before I get to their two games, quickly talk about what I mean by Buffalo and Baltimore fighting two opponents. Uh, this is Buffalo has not had a playoff win since 1995. Okay. Uh, they just recently got back in the playoffs the last couple of years. We know Josh Allen last year in the playoffs did not acquit himself nicely, but then again, this is a different Josh Allen. The Josh Allen from a couple of years ago doesn't exist anymore. This guy, if it wasn't for someone named Rogers, he possibly could be your MVP this year. I heard he's manscaping and it's just changed his whole life. Well, absolutely. And you too, if you want to be an all pro quarterback, just, you know, take the uh, lawnmower 3.0 down there. So he, Buffalo has to fight that ghost of, we haven't won a playoff game since the 20th century. And people are looking at Josh Allen, like, are you a great regular season player and you'll disappear in the playoffs? We don't know. Can the same Josh Allen that was no worse than the third best quarterback in the NFL this year, uh, be that Josh Allen in the playoffs. And then for the, the the Ravens, who've had obviously a lot more playoff success, at least in the last 20 years, than the Bills, they're 0-2 with Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. They've gotten to they've never gotten they've never won a playoff game with him. He's thrown three interceptions, had two fumbles in those games. And we've seen that yes, he's a great quarterback. Obviously, when you get a thousand yards on the ground as a quarterback and you're throwing you know, for over 2,500 yards, you're doing something right. I would take on my team any day. But as a playoff quarterback, as a come-from-behind quarterback, given the weapons he has and the changing offensive scheme they went to this year, going away from that heavy tight end set, it's a question mark. And you still have what I think is one of the most egregious forms of coaching malpractice. What John Harbaugh did two years ago when Lamar Jackson was in there against the Chargers leaving Joe Flacco on the bench saying, I'd rather play for the future than win a playoff game. Now the Ravens got to erase that because that's still hanging out there. They've got Lamar Jackson's failures in the playoffs. You've got coach malpractice from John Harbaugh. So the Ravens and the bills have something to prove to themselves and their fans. That's why I say they have two opponents, the, the team they're playing and the ghosts of their past. All right. The four o'clock game. This is the game where you say, I'm going to go see what my wife and kids look like, what my husband and kids look like. Say hello to the family. This is Chicago and New Orleans. Excuse me, Rob. It's it's actually a 440 Eastern time stop. Excuse me, 440 for all you persnickety people out there. So this is the game where you say, I'm going to take a break from the football, emerge from the cave, and say hello to my family. Because no, this see, game, see, you're wrong. This, it, which, what was the game you said was going to be the game of the week? The game of the weekend is Tennessee Baltimore. Okay, no. See, no, see, that's wrong because the Bears Saints game is not only going to be on CBS, but you can also watch it on Nickelodeon and Amazon Prime. That's the only Great. game that's going to be on three networks. So obviously Super. that is the game of the weekend. You are that wrong. Is, uh... You're wrong with the start time and you're wrong with the fact that America is going to watch it and even cuz Nickelodeon is a Canadian team. 
So it's, that's, you know, come on, get your act Because we know the vast the viewing audience. And the Aints. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, the Saints are going to run away with this game. The Bears, look, you can say they belong, they don't belong. It's hard for me to say that as a fan of the woofed skins, oh, that they don't belong. But the Bears, please, they're in because they expanded to seven teams. They have no business being in this game. Their offense is putrid, and the Saints are going to run over them. They have a good defense, sure. I'm just glad I have Nickelodeon. It's just not a game that, again, if you want to see your family this weekend, this is the three-hour block when you should go say hello. Which brings us to the finale of the playoff triple header on Sunday at 8.15. Very good, So you got that time right. And it's also Uh, the national. Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Yes, it's the NBC Sunday night special. This is a good old-fashioned Harken back to the days of the AFC Central uh, uh, playoff. And strangely enough, a replay of a game that was just played last Sunday between the same two teams. This game, I just the, uh, two cold-weather teams playing on Sunday night in January in a playoff game. Uh, Cleveland no and Pittsburgh, fans. what more could you ask for? No fans. Again, that's a bummer. Um, I'm not sold on Pittsburgh. In fact... I, I, they can't get that. The defense is stalwart. Good. You know, they just have TJ Watt. They still don't, you know, Bud Dupree is gone, but they still put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Cleveland's got that great running attack. Second so only to Baltimore. You taking the Browns? Chubb and Hunt. I am taking the Browns. Taking Baker the Mayfield. Let's make a wager. See, Let's make a wager. I, I want to see Baker Mayfield assert himself and say, I'm here. I'm here. Cleveland is my team. Okay. You know um, I just don't think – Big Ben, he doesn't have it anymore. And he still thinks he's 30 oh, when he's 39. Buddy, buddy, don't let the regulars – come on, Ben and the boys don't always let, show up in the playoffs. Come on. That's what it counts. I don't see it. I mean, I, I wouldn't – The Browns I haven't been in the playoffs against, since the Civil War. Come on. 2002, almost the Civil War. I wouldn't bet against Mike Tomlin. I mean, if it came down to that, uh, they certainly have the better coach. And by the way, Cleveland's coach Stefanski won't be allowed to participate. There you go. Even electronically because of COVID. They're done. The special teams coach is taking over. Bet but, the house, the car, your firstborn on the Steelers Sunday night in their house. Ben, no, I'm done. Taking, I'm taking the brownies. Oh man! And well, then the home there's no let's home field advantage. Let's do a wager. If I win, uh, I get your eyeglasses. If you win, you get my hat. Uh, great. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sounds wonderful. You, Everybody, you heard it here first. Oh, man. All right, there I you go. Win, I get his hat. If he wins, he gets my glasses. Fantastic. So those are that's your playoff roundup. It's, it's going to be, playoff. It's gonna be playoff. great. God bless anybody who listens to this going on two-hour show here for the Honchos. But, hey, look, we've been off for a week. And yep. it's going to be another week until you hear our wonderful voices again. So let's just I'm keep just, going here a little bit. We might as well. We're going to lunch hour now. Do you really want to talk about the fired coaches? No, no. no. I, I think I, you know. I think that's enough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's just you know the mediocrity I think, I think, league is let yeah. go of some mediocrity mediocre coaches, and it's just it's yes. just it's the I norm at this time of years. This time. Let of me year. just let me just uh, say one thing about a coaching vacancy. And then we can move on to other topics. And that is the Jets and the Jaguars are looking for a coach. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields are your presumed top two quarterbacks. The Jets are making noise if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson. 
uh, possibly taking Justin Fields starting over again, the Sam Darnold experiment not working out. And all I can say is, look, the, the, the top names out there for both these vacancies, both Ohio State guys, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day. Ryan Day, the current coach, Urban Meyer, the, for, the former coach. Here's the thing. And forget all the stuff about how Ohio State doesn't have to worry about drafting players. Players come to them. They get the best talent. You've got two quarterbacks. And again, I'm sort of biased about Ohio State quarterbacks, and I should be because they haven't produced a good one in forever. But these are two. this is a program that does not churn out professional-level, professional-grade, NFL-ready quarterbacks. They just don't. So if you're entrusting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields with a head coach and that important relationship between the head coach and the quarterback, if you're looking to develop Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields into NFL stars, and they're both, they both have games that will translate into the NFL, Lawrence more so than Fields, but I would be leery. I'd be careful if you're the Jets or the Jags, but hiring Meyer or Ryan Day to lead your program because they have no history of developing quarterback. I think the last good quarterback he developed that was ready for the pros was Alex Smith when he was at Utah. I mean, I, college success and pro success are vastly different animals. So I just, it's a word of caution to the Jet fans and to the Jag fans if you sign Meyer or Day to be your next head coach. Who knows what kind of influence they're going to have on the quarterback. I don't know. I just don't think it's a good fit. And that's that's it. That's your NFL roundup. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a couple more items, but, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking of oh. those kids, you know, Jacksonville or the Jets. I mean, <laughs> at least in Jacksonville, there's some uh, year-round, nice waterfront restaurants. It's in a stadium's in a really nice-looking area and stuff. I mean, to come to not only the, the Jets organization, but where MetLife Stadium is and just the armpit there of uh, Jersey there. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing to, I don't know. Good luck to those kids. Yeah. That's, uh, that's wrestling. So, um, you know, maybe we'll, next week we'll talk about some of the, the uh, you know, the, the players who uh, didn't make the playoffs this year. Uh, that, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, Brady and Belichick, you know, we talked to the Patriots not in the playoffs. Brady's going to be out next week. I mean, this weekend. I'm sorry. So, uh, oh, uh, you think so? You think you think the Wolfskins are going to beat the Buccaneers? Absolutely. See, I'm because okay. I'm positive, and I love okay. our you know Washington D.C. outer area, the fan base. You know, I'm 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 looking forward to the new name of the Washington Football Club. Uh, I like what's you got to be uh, really exciting excited about what's happened the last few weeks in Washington. And again, there uh, go go Washington go. Okay. Hey, I look, think, one, one, thing is, one thing has nothing to do with the other. I am very excited about Rivera and the direction he's taking this team and the decisions they've made and the dreaded culture change, and I'm happy we're in the playoffs. I wish we had fans to, to host, but I'm also realistic. I'm looking at down stay, the line. Just a positive change your attitude for this game. I'm looking please. down the line. Uh, the positivity is this team could be, with the right guy running the show at quarterback, could be on the rise, and we haven't been able to say that in years. We, we're the kings of one in a row here in D.C., so it would be nice uh, to have a team that looks like it's going places. You're in the have... dance. You got 60 minutes, nachos, yeah. not wearing pants, okay? Enjoy it, okay? Get sure. excited. All, All right. right. I am excited. Beat the Bucks. All right? All right. Okay. 
We're leaving the National Mediocrity League, and we'll move on here. A miscellaneous uh, items here. We just got a couple quick things. Um, I just want to say this real quick, Rob. Uh, about two or three weeks ago, we were part of a um, podcast contest to be um, for the opportunity to be part of the Dean Blundell Network, which is uh, up in our neighbors of the north, up in Canada. And uh, we were one of the uh, top five finalists. And uh, out of all the shows, out of the top five, they were going to just pick the one, the top one, and uh, bring them part of the network. But the guys were nice enough. They brought all five of us in. And next week, we should be appearing on the Dean Blundell uh, network. Go to DeanBlundell.com. And we just want to say we're thankful, grateful, and looking forward to working with those guys and growing with those guys as well. So uh, that's some pretty cool news, and you'll see more about that. We'll make some announcements here at the Honchos once uh, things get linked up and, and we start moving forward. So uh, pretty excited for me and Rob. A little sports show that we just started here, 14 episodes in, and uh, it's, um, it's a, a nice nod for us to get picked up because there's some fantastic content, some great shows. There's music, comedy, all kinds of stuff on the Dean Blundell Network, and uh, we're excited to be a part of it. So we're looking forward to that. Ditto. Amen, brother. And the other thing is you wanted to really quickly talk about, um, let me get his name here, uh, Ken Jerry, is that his name? Ken Jennings, the mad tweeter? Jennings, I'm sorry, I can't even read my own script, it's terrible. The guy who's uh, potentially going to be, well, he's certainly going to be one of the rotating hosts, guest hosts of Jeopardy after the passing of Alex Trebek. But it's like it, this seems to be a, a common ailment of anyone in the spotlight once you get famous, they go back and they look at your old tweets. Yeah, be careful. So, so Ken Jennings is... We actually Jennings. have to do that for uh, everybody out there. We have to do that for Rob. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there were some couple of things. We were able to delete them. So I'm not allowed on a computer. <laughs> that's, that's basically... That's what the what Go Sports Media said. You're not allowed on a computer anymore. But this guy, you know, he's... I don't know what kind of host of Jeopardy he's going to make. I don't know how he can carry a show. I mean, as a contestant, I guess he was sort of engaging. But you have a chance now to be famous, take over the the role, the, the chair from Alex Trebek, and you know they've they've they've, they've done some digging. And all of us, God forbid, they start to dig into our past and the things that we've said, things that we've done. I got nothing to worry about. You know, but he said, you know, he's made it Speaking before he was cutie. before he was Ken Jennings. You know, host and of not Jeopardy. Ken Jerry's, like I said, and not Ken Jerry's, and not maybe it should be Ken Jerry's now, and a huge, you know, contestant on Jeopardy. I mean, he said a few things in past tweets, including this gem. Uh, he said in 2014, "quote Nothing sadder than a hot person in a wheelchair." Now, um, what bothers me more than what he's said in the past, because again, you know, you say things, you do things, there's gotta be some sort of statute of limitations for things like this. I'm not for every, not for all of our past deeds. It's the way that he explains himself and the extremely weak apology that always, that falls prey to the same thing that other weak apologies do. Um, the first apology for that wheelchair remark was it was a joke so inept that it meant something very different in my head and I regret the ableist plan, ableist plan reading of it. Well, if it rattled around in your head and had a different meaning, perhaps that should give you an indication, ding, 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 that it would have various interpretations. Um, but here's what he said. In the past, 
this was recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, when these resurfaced. This is his newest explanation slash apology. In the past, I'd usually leave bad tweets up just so they could be dunked on. Strange. At least that way, they could lead to smart replies and even advocacy. Deleting them felt like whitewashing a mistake. So you make a mistake and then you leave it there so people can, quote, dunk on them, as opposed to just removing them and admitting you're wrong. But then he goes on to say, sometimes I said dumb things in a dumb way and wait for it. I want to apologize to anyone, to people who were offended. I wasn't my intention to hurt anyone, but that doesn't matter. I screwed up and I'm truly sorry. Whenever you say I'm sorry if you were offended, what you're saying is I'm sorry that your sensibilities were so delicate and weak that you couldn't take my humor. What you say is I'm sorry that I offended people, not I'm sorry that you were offended. But just this dopey explanation of, well, I leave them up so people can make fun of them. That's like when you make a joke. Or you say something and you realize it got people angry and you go, hey, just kidding, in the hope of saving some face in that really awkward moment. That's where Ken Jennings finds himself. So I don't know. I, I, you know, I hope it, it works out for Kenny. Yeah. I hope this doesn't kill his career. But, uh, you know, you got to think now. And this is for everyone out there. Everything that the Internet is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Everything you put up there will come back to haunt you. Might be room for new uh Segment, in addition to the dope of the week that's coming up very shortly, maybe yes. uh, asshole of the week, you know? Yeah, that kind of sounds like the same thing. Maybe we can do the uh, the, the social media misstep of the week, but... Yes, social media for, misfit of the week, maybe something like that. That's, we'll work that's for another time. Yes. Uh, last bit of uh, miscellaneous news, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, former uh, star, starting goaltender, star goaltender of the Washington Capitals, has tweeted out uh, earlier today, about two, three hours ago. Day three, surgery went really well. About five hours to get it all taken care of. Really appreciate the great staff here at the Cleveland Clinic. Last few days has been pretty crazy, but feel like I'm in a really good. I'm in really good hands. Uh, every day is a step in the right direction. Uh, so good news about uh, Henry Glinkless. The king is okay. That that is terrific news. Good stuff. Maybe you get a return to the Caps once he gets back on his feet. You know what I'm saying? My return, I'll be happy if he makes it through this okay and he lives the rest of his life. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. As I, as I tweeted out, my stepfather had similar surgery. Um, it's serious, and, you know, I wish him all the best. We do. What's we that? Do. Wait, who's that? That's about you, Yanks. Talk a bit of football. Or what you guys call it. Soccer. Oh, thank you very much, Nigel. Appreciate you chiming back in here, busting shops for a little bit of soccer's news. Soccer's news? Man, these early afternoon shows, breakfast shows, are tough for me. I can't speak, Rob. I can't wait to get back out to the uh, Wednesday evening poncho show. Well, it's, all, it, it's almost Wednesday evening. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> So, literally, we're going to do a few seconds of soccer right now, all right? Uh, just a couple of notes here. Um, there's rumors going around that Messi might go to PSG in uh, in France. We don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to love to talk about Messi going anywhere else but Barca. I don't see it. Um, I think he's going to stay there. But that's that's just some rumor mill stuff. You know, that's exciting stuff in soccer. The football world, Rob, as they call it, uh, about where Messi might leave, go, play. You know, they do that all the top players uh, they'd leave to see him, love to see him anywhere else but where he is right now. 
Um, and as far as the Premier League, uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs and Manchester City will be playing at Wembley for the Carabao Cup. And uh, Jose Marino is going to be, he's the coach of the Spurs. He'll be looking for his fifth Carabao Cup title. He's a pretty good coach. And uh, that'll be interesting. And then um, Manchester United will be playing Burnley uh, this weekend ahead of their big anticipated match with their arch rivals. Liverpool on Sunday, January 17th. Those two teams right now are the top of the Premier League uh, amongst the top four. That's the big talk. Uh, Manchester United still yet to kind of prove if they're ever going to get over the hump and get back to their golden days with Coach Ferguson. Um, but uh, me being a Man U fan, you know, until they win another Premier League championship, it's all hearsay and what have you done for me lately. So that's about it right now. We'll keep it there. Carabo Cup and the big matchup coming between Man U and Liverpool. Okay? So there's your seconds of soccer right here on the sports honchos. Because the fans demanded it, Rob. They demanded it. I'm sorry. Would you say something? I took a nap. Oh, God. Again, I have to apologize to our soccer fans out there. In addition to our Washington Football Club fans, Rob doesn't mean it. Okay, no, he doesn't mean it at all. Okay, well, maybe a little. Hail to the Wolfskins! And with that said, it's time for the dope of the week. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. Hi, everybody. Let me remind you, as I always do, that the Gags Gang and I spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. And we've been working on this one since, wait for it, last year. Sorry, I had to get that out of my system. You can, for absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating a dope of the week. Use the hashtag D-O-T-W on Twitter. At Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos. And who will be carrying around the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week Cup around the ice rink of shame this week, the first one in 2021? Albeit two days late. Well, that's right. It's Doug Peterson, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Last Sunday, the Eagles lost to my Wolfskins 20 to 14, sending the Skins to the playoffs as champions of the NFC East. The Eagles had a chance to win and then inexplicably laid down and rolled over, paws up, letting down his team and the fans and at the same time, old coach Doug poking holes in the integrity of the game. Now, look, wins in the National Football League are precious. You only play 16 games, 17 starting next year, no matter what players want to win. They don't care about player development draft position, or when the game is played in terms of what week it is in the NFL season. You do not tank against a division rival. Let me paint you a picture. The Eagles had every chance to win the game. Eagles safety Marcus Epps intercepts woofed quarterback Alex Smith early in the fourth quarter with the Eagles down only 17-14. to This looked like it just swung the momentum in the direction of the Eagles. The Wolfskins hadn't scored in a while, and Jalen Hurts was leading the Eagles uh, maybe not statistically, didn't have a great game from a stat standpoint, but he was keeping him in the game, giving them a chance to win. The Eagles found themselves looking at fourth and goal from the Wolfskins' four-yard line, and instead of kicking a game-tying field goal, old Dougie Peterson decided to go for it. 
needless to say, it did not end well for the Eagles. Turnover on downs, woofed ball. Not taking the field goal in favor of going for it on fourth and four when only down three was the first step in the tank job. Then, with all signs trending up for Philly and down for the Wolfskins, Peterson pulls Jalen Hurts for backup and Wolfskin castoff, Nate Sudfeld. That's right, Nate Sudfeld. Why? To see what he had? He has been around for four years with the Eagles. He must know what we Skins fan know. Skins fans know he stinks. He's terrible. He was, that's why he was on the practice squad. This is not senior night in high school or college. He does not owe Sudfeld a few snaps for being a good team player in front of parents, family, and friends. He owes his players and fans decisions that show a desire to win because pride still matters. Was Peterson trying to rocket up the draft order by losing? He was looking at going from ninth, if he won, to wait. Wait for it. I'm waiting. Sixth. If they lost, why would you tank just to move from the ninth to the sixth pick? Are those three spots worth losing the locker room? And how can you, with a straight face, say you were trying to win? That is exactly what Peterson said after the game. He said, quote, I was coaching to win the game. He may have been coaching to win, but he was clearly coaching to lose the locker room. After the game, reports came out that some of his players were none too pleased with the decision. Just looking at players like all-pro center Jason Kelsey on the sideline looking betrayed and shocked, tell the story of the mood of the team that night. And by the way, just let me throw this out there. This is not about letting down the Giants, who would have won the East if the Eagles had lost. And this is not about gambling ramification. Peterson only owes something to two groups, his team first, and then to the fans who want to see wins. They don't care if you won one game. It's better than losing zero games so and i realize this is not as funny as usually is but still it's it was a bad week for the nfl in terms of tanking coach doug for treating an nfl contest like senior night at the local high school for treating the locker room for three draft spots and for forgetting that the primary job of a professional sports team is to win every game i believe i've read that somewhere before you are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congratulations, Coach Peterson. The certificate is in the mail. I got to tell you, there's a a trend going on here uh, for the Dope of the Week here at the Sports Honcho's, and a lot of times it's a coach. What can I tell you? A lot of dopey coaches out there. There are a lot of dopey coaches. Well, this was was not an easy week. You had David Scaretta, the writer who submitted the blank Hall of Fame ballot. You had Dabo Swinney. Lots of guys could have been the DOTW. The racist from Chattanooga? Yeah, well. See, but that's not really – that's way too serious an offense to say, oh, you're the dope of the week. I mean, we don't have a racist of the week segment. The Whoa, ROTW. Oh, there you go. Okay? We don't have the <laughs> ROTW here, folks. Oh. That's an It idea. doesn't seem quite so write funny. That down. Right. Racist of the week. And it's, that's not an honor, by the way. No, not at all. We'll discuss that in the meetings. Yes. The uh, the Washington Football Club meetings. Okay. That's what we'll do. The Wolfskin meetings? No problem. Yes. Oh, jeez. Come on, man. <laughs> well, pal, look at us. It's a six-hour show. And we it was a there. marathon. But we got there. We did it. It's a new year. It's a new season here at the Sports Honchos. We want to thank uh, Manscaped for uh, supporting us here. Make sure you go to manscaped.com. 
Use the Honcho's code. Get 20% off. And free shipping. And free shipping. Uh, we want to thank the Dean Blundell Network for uh, picking up the honchos. We look forward to hanging out with those guys. And as always, we want to thank you guys for listening. Take your time with this one. I guess if you're at this point in the show, you have. But uh, we'll be back next Wednesday night at our old time, 7.30 Eastern time here at sportshonchos.com. Please Which- tell your friends. Spread it out, subscribe, review. We're on all the podcast platforms. You, you were saying, Mr. Cuny. I was saying, if looking at my watch, it's almost Wednesday evening now. So yes, you might as well just stay wherever you are, grab a snack, and make yourselves comfortable for the next episode of The Honchos. We do appreciate the listening. Please, if you subscribe, you download, rate us, review us, leave us a friendly comment or a not-so-friendly comment, just talk to us. Tell us how much you love the show. Just tell us you're listening. And we do appreciate... As we start 2021, hopefully a better year for all of us. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with the Honchos. And big thanks again to Manscaped and to Dean Blundell. Well said, Mr. Cuny. Well said. Why, thank you. I can't and wait to play that part back. That was that was just that was something a guy in a bow tie would say. <laughs> what, but not a, what was the other thing? No bow tie and more... We wanted more bow ties, less bow ties. That was six hours ago when we said the other Yeah, I can't remember. That was was yesterday. So, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Happy New Year. Hot shows out.